Hello, everyone. Welcome to the happiest pod on earth. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Ariel. And I'm Rachel. And we're all Disney fans, but we're really so much more than that. And I'm an educator who uses passions and fandoms to help my students grow and learn about themselves and the wide world around them. And I'm a licensed therapist who uses uh, my clients' passion and fandoms to help them grow and heal from trauma and really achieve mental wellness. And I'm a licensed clinical social worker who uses passions and fandoms to help process and integrate trauma and empower each of us in our different individual uniqueness. And a happiest pod is a place where we dissect Disney mediums with a critical lens. Why? Uh, because just like we are more than just fans, we expect more from the mediums we consume. Happiest Pod is the is part of the Geek Therapy Network of podcasts where we all believe that the best way to understand ourselves and the world around us is through the mediums we have an affinity with. And because we have an affinity, well, for Disney, we yep. will use it uh, as a tool to share with others how to heal and learn, grow and understand. So, what Disney medium uh, or experience are we dissecting and sharing today, everybody? Yes, we will be talking about the Disney Plus series as well as the character Loki, one of my favorites and many of yours, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Um, And as you heard, we have a special guest on the podcast today, Mm. Rachel Weathers. Now, Rachel is a virtual therapist, meaning that she sees her clients online and is licensed in Illinois, Michigan, and Missouri. Rachel specializes in working with individuals who've survived trauma, have grown up in the foster system, and even those who are neurodivergent. She also has a personal history as a foster youth herself. Mm. So Rachel, can you share a little bit about your experience as a foster youth? Sure, sure. So I entered the state system around the age of 14, and eventually I aged out of foster care um, at 18. But prior to that, I'd been connected through being shifted around between family members and and friends of the family for quite a few years before Mm -hmm. 14. Mm -hmm. Um, I grew up in the Detroit metro area, but eventually I was actually placed in a religious children's home in Mississippi. So big culture shock, right? (laughs) Um, I did have the opportunity to travel a lot, though, with the children's home during my Mm. high school years to help support the children's home. And fun fact, our travel group was sent to both Disneyland and Disney World during those years, right? Right? While traveling. I I probably wouldn't have been able to visit that if it hadn't been for being there. Um, Anyways, my childhood has given me a lot of lived experience regarding trauma, child attachment needs and especially aging out of the system without much support because that was like 25 years ago so there's a lot more support nowadays for sure and I know we're going to be diving a little bit more into that probably later but thank you so much for sharing your history with us and our listeners and for agreeing to join this podcast we're so excited to have you today Oh, thank you. Yes, thank you, thank you. Um, we need to be the perfect guest to help us uncover Loki and get to know this character and show um, the themes of adoption and belonging and acceptance. Um, I think it should be noted that we're recording this episode on July 14th, which is the final episode of the series. So let's dive in. Um, I know for you, Rachel, you you actually pulled up a lot of Loki history and lore um, going back to, to comics and a little bit of Norse mythology, so way back. <laughs> yeah. um, what are some things that you want to highlight in regards to the differences from the Loki we see in this the, this variant Loki <laughs> sure. versus like the intro we get in the MCU and mm-hmm. the intro we get in the comics? Sure, sure. Well, I think um, so. I have a wonderful partner and he's been collecting comic books for like forever. We have like boxes and boxes and closets. Um, Lovely. But he just really pointed out that the difference in writers, because, you know, Loki was created by Stan Lee um, and Jack Kirby drew him wonderfully back in the day. Um, But over time, as the authors have changed, the story has shifted some, right? And so I think Stan drew from the original Norse mythology a little bit more, um, which Sort of like being true to to the origin of the inspiration. Mm -hmm. Which really focused on a more villainous approach, right? The really focusing on the trickster from a very harsh and negative perspective. Loki really wanted power, right, Mm -hmm. Um, at Mm -hmm. that time. And while 
some of that passes into the more modern comic days and especially then the MCU. I think that Tom Hiddleston, especially in the MCU, has really brought a lot of humor and mm-hmm. he has this charisma, right, that draws people. Um, and so he becomes much more likable and he yes. really inspires, you know, compassion and empathy um, as we pick up on some of his storylines that have affected him through the years. Yeah. I think in casting Tom Hiddleston, they really wanted to put us all in a pickle. Right. <laughs> it was fantastic casting. Yeah. Um, I really, en- I love Loki as, you know, a hero, anti-hero, whatever you mm-hmm. have him. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. is just right. so unpredictable. And I think that's refreshing when, you know, you're thinking about the Avengers and, yes. you know, the plight of the hero's journey. So it's really right. nice to see right. how they flesh them out. Sure. And I think it's also interesting, like talking about that idea of trickster, because if I just hear that word, like my association of it is like being mischievous and tricky, but not being evil. Yeah. Um, And so I feel like if I were to dive into the older comics, I may not like that Loki. Mm-hmm. I I would agree. I would probably feel the same way. That that variant Loki would n- would not be my <laughs> the one that I would want to associate. Right? <laughs> right, right. I think it's interesting though because you know the when we look at the development of storylines and we look at the tri- trickster figure, right? Mm-hmm. He's designed to kind of show the opposite or to highlight the hero, mm-hmm. right? And so I think Stan's view was the more evil he could be, the more mm-hmm. heroic okay. Thor could be, right? Or yeah. whoever he was facing yeah. at the time. But I think we've got this different dynamic today where we can recognize that, you know, some of, for individuals who've been through hard things, learning to survive can lead to sometimes what we consider manipulative behaviors or, yes. or difficult behaviors behaviors. And so while they use that to still highlight Thor, um, man, I think especially in this series, we're seeing some transition into some very heroic perspectives for him. Mm -hmm. Well, and you even you even use the the term survive, right? And that's that's been a common theme and that Loki survive. Mm -hmm. That that was that was pretty much consistent in like essentially all the variants is is in the sort of a a, a, I don't know, rally cry motto, (laughs) right? Like family crest. I don't know. (laughs) Glorious purpose. Yes, (laughs) definitely. And I, I don't know if we mentioned this earlier, but if you are listening and you haven't finish the series beware major spoilers <laughs> all the spoilers all the spoilers all so take a moment if you have not seen it take a pause listen to our other episodes or any of the other geek therapy network podcasts and come back to us when you have finished yes yes mm-hmm. um so so then speaking of, of spoilers um I'm curious, in meeting the other variants, other versions of Loki, mm-hmm. um, like what was what was everyone's perspective on that or or, or, or take? Like like, I mean, how'd you feel? Like <laughs> I think that I hadn't known a whole lot about some of the other variants, even though they've been. It's my understanding they've been pretty portrayed in the comics the last few years. I hear Kid Loki has a whole mm-hmm. uh, comic you know, um, outline. And then, of course, you've got President Loki, you know, is pretty popular. And so I've learned so much more about Kid Loki through diving in. He needs his own show. Just say in Disney, he needs his (laughs) own show. (laughs) Yeah, I can definitely ride on that, Rachel. I mean, I had I knew that he had other variants. And now that we're just thinking about the multiverse as we're going forward and all of the Marvel stories that are coming out, I mean, just seeing all of them in that last episode was just like, now I need to know more of all of these, Mm -hmm. especially I think old Loki really like touched um, Mm -hmm. upon the journey of Loki and like hearing him give his sort of battle stories and his, you know, his war stories, Mm -hmm. what have you, Mm -hmm. um, about his journey of being alone. Um, Mm -hmm. I think because we've seen Loki slip through timelines, slip through the Avengers hands and, you know, just kind of do his own thing in his masterful plan, what have you, to get power. I mean, you you got to think and pause and ask yourself what at what point do you lose yourself? And I think when he he told his story, you're like, man, Mm -hmm. like 
being alone is the most scariest thing. Yeah, I yeah. I think that really touches in on um, the the fact that there was a um, the, this desire to the reason he got caught right or or like the the branch broke off and the and the TVA captured him was because he wanted to reconnect. He wanted to find family again. And it's it's really interesting thinking, uh, again, in, in the stance of um, his experience as um, uh, someone who, who's been adopted, that 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 desire for belonging, but also that that polar opposite of like, I don't want to be around anyone. I, I don't feel loved. I, I don't want to be loved. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, and the whole notion of Loki just existing for other people's purposes and not his own. Mm -hmm. I think that was really something to tackle and and think about because not every story is like that. You don't tell a protagonist your only purpose is to really make everybody, yeah, to die and make Mm -hmm. everyone look better. Um, What a crappy purpose, you know, not glorious at all whatsoever. So I think playing with those notions of glorious purpose, what is your purpose? And being told you have no purpose um, was was really compelling. Yeah. Yeah, well, and especially if you kind of look at the, I I started to view the story of his purpose, especially through watching this, as being, as paralleling the adoptee's journey, Mm -hmm. right? Because adoptees go through a journey where they, you know, have to process and explore through the traumas of their birth, right? Mm -hmm. And the changes that they experience leading to adoption. But then as adults, they tend to go back and learn more about their families and their births of origin as well. Mm -hmm. And find their own origin stories right and there's a there's a journey there that happens where we're seeking our purpose we're seeking why do we exist on this earth you know what what is my purpose here and i think loki has that and even just looking at the intensity in which he shares you know about his glorious purpose feels almost like he's searching for something in that Mm -hmm. right there's an Mm -hmm. intensity to it that's Mm -hmm. powerful yeah I, I yeah. think it also, you know, in in focusing on the on the different variants, if you're looking at like old, old man Yo- Loki, I don't know what else to call him, grown elder, elder Yo- old, Lo- old Loki. I think they just I call him they, old Loki, right? I think they might call him classic Lo- Loki. Oh, classic, yes. That's that's way more respectful. <laughs> Vintage like that. Loki. Vintage, yeah, rat traps. <laughs> He's the Stanley and and uh, Kurt, Jack Kirby Loki. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So so classic yeah. Loki, like. We saw he had such immense power, right? That was something that was really mm-hmm. sort of shocking how great his um, ability to to project and create realism. And, and that reminds me of my clients who have experienced trauma. Sometimes their mm-hmm. daydream world is more real, more mm-hmm. in, in, in a place of more comfort and strength for them sure. simply because the world that they're living in now doesn't um, create a doesn't center them in a positive sure. light. And mm-hmm, if we're talking right. about like that, that trickster, that being evil, the whether he's actually a bad guy or a villain, mm-hmm. you don't like being put in your narrative where you're not a positive light and then being told that like your only purpose is to uplift others and die. Like, mm-hmm. why yeah. wouldn't I sure. lean in on my strength of creating fantasy to reality? Sure. Right? Absolutely. And I'll throw in there, too, that children who have experienced trauma, and I often see it in both um, children who are adopted a young, at a young age, but also children in the foster care system, often feel very disempowered because all the choices are being made for them. They mm-hmm. have no voice and choice mm-hmm. in life, right? And so what happens is when they get into the more angsty years for most kids, the mm-hmm. teenager years, right, they begin to fight back. They want their power back. Mm-hmm. And unless their community can rally around them and be that village that they need to support them through that journey, then sometimes that starts to get even, you know, harmful to self and others um, as they're trying to fight to get what power they can back over their their life and their world. Yeah. I'm curious um, what everyone's thoughts are specifically on Sylvie, because she disclosed that she knew she was adopted, whereas Loki had no idea. And Mm -hmm. I I think... I think even, I, I mean, we're not really, we don't really know um, the other narratives for the other Lokis, but mm-hmm. s- 
specific like that that creates a very different trajectory in knowledge mm-hmm. of self right and self-identity yeah. creation yeah mm-hmm. well and odin had some trickery there too for loki where mm-hmm. he used magic to you know take care of the the blue skin so that loki yeah. looked like he fit in the family and he, mm-hmm. he kept it a secret and it wasn't it's something that was very harmful to Loki when he learned about it and their interaction when he learned about it too in what I think was the second Thor movie um, was just emotionally explosive right Mm -hmm. as as Loki lost the sense of trust and belief in his father Mm -hmm. because it seemed to have you know just discredited everything in looking up to him right Um, whereas you know Sylvie she always knew um, I'm not quite sure that that means she had less trauma, but I think there are different types of trauma, right? When yeah. we look at attachment styles, mm-hmm. um, Sylvie has a has a bit of just an avoidant attachment style where she just kind of gave up and expects that things are going to be the way that they were, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Loki has this mixed dynamic of, you know, both emotions and fighting and avoidance where he goes back and forth because he's experienced both sides of the picture of attachment, right? He thought things were good, you know, when he was young or as good as they could be. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. then everything fell apart. Yeah. Right. It's definitely the difference between a kid through his journey and through their journey and a kid who has gone through those things and and says I know all about this like I've been there I've done that I'm kind of callous to it Mm -hmm. and I see that sometimes with you know kids uh, in in my class prior and Mm -hmm. you know kids in different classes I mean there are some kids who are just learning the world around them and they have this like wide-eyed you know (laughs) bushy-tailed disposition (laughs) to the world and then you have those kids who have been exposed to you know other things have different journeys clearly and 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 they seem kind of standoffish very much like sylvie was Mm -hmm. kind of like just letting them know hey you know i've i have a different purpose now i've matured a little bit more Mm -hmm. we may be the same grade we may be almost the same age but you and i are very different when it comes to how we see things um and yeah like i see microaggressions sometimes between kids Mm -hmm. when it comes to you know just doing certain tasks or learning about certain things in history you'll you'll see that um they they navigate things differently and i definitely saw that between loki and sylvie Sure. Yeah, I think in this final episode, like um, the, I don't know, the standoff between mm-hmm. Loki and Sylvie. Yeah. Um, and the, and essentially the quote or the acknowledgement of, um, you don't trust and I can't be trusted. Yeah. Yes. I and, love that line. Yes. Love that line. And it was, it was causing me to really think about like, okay, you know, even like what trust is um, mm-hmm. I and, and how do we sort of build it and form it? Um, and so... You know, there's sort of like three based ways we can develop trust. Um, And in comparing the two of whether they could even trust each other or learn to trust, um, the first one is deterrent based. I can it's the most fundamental. And it's essentially saying that there are um, rules in place that I'm going to follow, which means that I will not take advantage or harm someone else. And that base level of trust, we already know they didn't even establish with each other because they kind of. The, the the whole theme of like like we're Lokis we we you know we do things for us we we and, and this specific Loki backstabs like like takes advantage of oh, yeah. um, manipulates right so that base level of trust was already difficult um, and then and then you've got these other degrees where there's the knowledge based trust we've experienced each other and we have knowledge of each other's behaviors and how we react and behave and so I know that I can trust that you're going to react and behave a certain appropriate way. In this case, they had knowledge that they weren't going to do those things. (laughs) And they had Mm -hmm. like shared moments, small moments, but they were too small in that history to be able to to truly develop a a relationship with each other. Um, Oh, hello, kitty. Uh, (laughs) And then the final one is identity-based trust, where it involves us sharing our hopes and dreams, our goals and our ambitions. It's the most transparent, vulnerable form of trust. And they were both transparent and vulnerable of their desires, but not so much. I think I think Loki now he was he was willing to to be more vulnerable. He was willing to go there. Mm -hmm. But for Sylvie, it was it was still a hard no. It was it was I don't think that that they would have made the I don't think they would have changed their decision. 
mm-hmm. in regards to how they were going to handle sort of like uh, Kang the Conqueror's offer um, because they hadn't built any of those levels of trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It totally reminded me of conflict resolution between two kids that have just met. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they probably have only played with each other like for a day or a week. I guess a week if you count, you know, each episode as a day. <laughs> but they were trying to figure out how to basically change the trajectory of time as we know it. Mm-hmm. But like you said, they only had such small instances of connecting that there you you couldn't have a good outcome. There was no real resolution to this conflict without it being a winner and a loser. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, Loki got duped in the end. And it... It hit him like a dagger. Like a dagger. What is dagger? Like love, love is a dagger. Right? right? <laughs> I was like, dang, she got him. Real good. Oops. <laughs> well, I think that, you know, it's important to look a little bit at how trust affects those who experience early attachment trauma, you know, because so much of the foundation of the ability to trust is created in that early mirroring that happens between the parent and the infant, right? Mm-hmm. And when you're when you're holding your infant and you're all, the, the affect reflection that happens from the parent to the child when they meet the need, right, creates a lot of the foundation of trust, mm-hmm. especially every time that the parent consistently meets the need, right? And so both of them experienced first off adoption, right? So they were abandoned prior to the adoption at birth. And so Mm -hmm. from the very beginning, their need was abandoned and not met, right? Mm -hmm. And then, um, but Loki had years of relationship with his adopted mother Mm -hmm. that did have a sense of trust there. She was his teacher, right? She taught him his sorcery and his magic and he was good. So they really worked well together, right? And he could count on her, even if he couldn't count on so many other people in his life, he could count on her, right, to love him. Um, We don't know what Sylvie had, right? But we do know that, you know, when Renslayer um, captured her at Mm -hmm. such a young age, I was guessing like maybe around seven, right? Um, She's been surviving ever since, jumping from point to point in the timeline um, to escape. And trauma points, right? Trauma, right? (laughs) Yeah, but with no caregiver. Yep. None. No nurturance, yeah. None. no trust, no love, no support, no protection, mm-hmm. right? And so she has long since given up on the ability to trust, I think, in others. Whereas Loki had some ability to trust in people in his life, right? Uh, I think yeah. it's really interesting. Um, this was my own sort of like critical gripe <laughs> with um, <laughs> the the day that they chose uh, Loki to be released on. Um, <laughs> Uh, so, um, Loki is released on Wednesdays, and in uh, Norse mythology, uh, Wednesday is Odin's day. So, o- Odin in uh, Norse Norse mythology is uh, pronounced as Woden, so that's where we get Woden's day or Wednesday. Mm. Um, and he was not close to his father at all. No. Like, not one f- freaking bit. <laughs> and, not until he changed into him and pretended to be him. Yes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And so I feel like they did a disservice because Friday is actually um, a Freya's day or Frigga's day, uh, Friday, that, that bears his adopted mother's name. I feel like they they would have done the character a real good service if they had done that. I get mm-hmm. why they didn't do it. Okay, like, we got to think of this as a corporation, and they had Bad Batch coming out on Fridays, and they had Black Widow coming out. They did not want to compete ratings. Yeah. But... If I'm like acknowledging like this this mm-hmm. importance of this character's relationship with their mother, like, bro, y- you done wrong. <laughs> Unless I mean, Definitely. now that you're saying it, what if we or they wanted to highlight the fact that he's always wanted to have his dad's power mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. could and never approval. have it? Mm-hmm. And this is just another one of those instances where he's compared to his brother and his father, but yet always falls short. So that always. could be me reaching, but. Always. It's a reach. That was good. That's, That's good. some savagery yeah. that I, I think you are right on there. And like, <laughs> even the fact that his name is Laufu's son. Yeah. Right? Yeah. As opposed Not even to Odin's, Odin's son. son. Yeah. Oh. I know. How are you going to do that, TVA? Okay. Right. Okay. And, okay. You know, Disney's got some underlying mischievery yeah. themselves. 
I mean, Kevin Feige at this point is like the ultimate trickster in my book (laughs) because he'd be pulling all these things and I'm like, man, how did you, did you take like, did you have a Nexus event of your own (laughs) to try to plan this entire Marvel Cinematic Universe? Because it seems like you had that time. (laughs) But I think um, going back to what you were saying about, uh, I think, Rachel, when you were talking about Sylvie having to go through childhood without Mm -hmm. any sort of guidance Mm -hmm. it makes me think about how she had to do that as a woman and loki here has had that guidance but he is a man so what if we what if we change the two would the trajectories be similar different i mean sylvie's heart is clearly hardened because of Mm -hmm. all the things that she's had to go through and we see that with a lot of women who have you know either left their partners um left their families to pursue Mm -hmm. their own careers dreams hopes and you know she could embody you know the working woman who's doing it for herself but has had sacrificed having that sort uh, sort of sense of community to be able to do those things and and should she even have mm-hmm. to do those things well, whereas you know Loki here is discovering all of this first you know of all newly but at the same time having those supports already you know did that put them either of them at a disadvantage well and I think you're even acknowledging not just like the working woman, but a pulled woman, right? Yeah. Like how many women are pulled from their family of origin? Yeah. Like like mm-hmm. for you, Seth, like you're a military wife and you've had a slightly different experience, but how many military wives do you know where it's like, I've never left my state and now I'm, yeah. I'm living in Germany. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the only person I know is this this yeah. man that I, I've married, right? Like yeah. it, it, that that feeling of isolation mm-hmm. and and confusion yeah. that, that occurs, I, I think... And, and being a woman walking in the world, right? I, yeah. I agree that it would probably be very different experience in comparison to Loki being a, a male walking in the world. That just is, if we're talking about levels of privilege. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. And then we could even consider some of the uphill battles that women fight in today's world, um, especially professional world, right? Um, the traumas that are experienced that women are just expected to kind of buck up and be strong yeah right just deal with it the world is throwing all these things at you and your job is to navigate around that and survive well and and really we're talking about you know sylvie was homeless right like she represents Mm -hmm. a a transitional age youth where we we often Mm -hmm. see lots of homelessness and we do know that that you know given um the MCU has said it, uh, and essentially in Disney Plus, both Loki and Sylvie are are queer. Um, they're they're um, mm-hmm. both bisexual, pansexual, depending on you know what you're looking at. Mm-hmm. And those are often the youth that are are removed from the homes or yeah. kicked out of homes. Yeah. So like for me, I, I know that in working with with that that youth, the hardest thing is like sanitary right napkins like getting feminine Mm -hmm. hygiene products Mm -hmm. and it's like she's probably getting them at that store during the apocalypse yeah (laughs) for sure so true so true like that's that's a struggle that is way too real i cannot I agree. And even, you know, I, I like to focus in, in the stream that I do on aging out foster youth since I experienced that. And we could in some ways even compare some of their stories with those that age out of the foster care system. Mm-hmm. Um, and just a small random fact, but uh, teen foster youth are a huge percentage that funnel into child trafficking mm-hmm. um, yeah. between their trauma experiences and just not feeling accepted in their foster home or their adoptive home they are a high funneling source into child trafficking um, because they're looking for love and they're survivors. Mm -hmm. They are built in Mm -hmm. survivors, just like the Lokis, Mm -hmm. you know? And so um, there's just, there's a very real world there of those that learn to survive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think um, uh, these would be CSEC youth. So that stands for Mm -hmm. commercial sexual exploitation of children. Um, There's a a bunch of information and and history on, um, uh, these children and and often when we're talking about um, queer children, there's often like sex survival. Like this is the mm-hmm. only way that I'm able absolutely. to survive. Yeah. Um, absolutely, absolutely. I, I think that I I appreciate that they didn't they with Loki and Sylvie they had like a moment right, and then mm-hmm. they had their sort of like final moment. But there there wasn't a lot of quote unquote sex, and I really appreciated that Sylvie wasn't turned into a temptress. Yeah. sort of trickster right mm-hmm. like that sort of common trope 
Yeah. Which is interesting because I've still got my side beliefs that she could be the enchantress, but instead of a Loki. But <laughs> oh, do tell, do tell yes. your theory. Because I, the, I know yeah. people in that camp too. <laughs> in the comics, there was a yeah. Sylvie that was the enchantress that Loki brought to Asgard, and and they kind of had their own little relationship or whatever. Um. So and she was blonde, and I mean it it fits so well. Busty. But, she was real busty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So. Well, I Orange even, tracks of land. <laughs> even just the name Enchantress, you know? Yeah. But so, like, I don't know. This whole storyline of them having a romantic interlude, however it was, just bothered me a little bit because I think that, I don't know, could it have, you know, pointed a little bit towards the narcissism that, you know, the Loki storyline tends to point towards maybe mm-hmm. loving oneself? Mm-hmm. Um, but I could even go down that road from a trauma perspective and say, yeah. but we have to learn to love ourselves mm-hmm. and to mm-hmm. reparent ourselves, right, when we've experienced childhood trauma in order to be able to then have healthy relationships with others, right? Um, yes. But it just, it seemed like such an out there moment. So I just, I don't know. I'm I'm still in the camp that it could be <laughs> Enchantress, but. Yeah, I, 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 I've, I'm going more with the trauma route. I saw it sort of like parts work. Right. Like this is a part of myself that that I could love. Mm -hmm. And this is a part of myself, like seeing myself of like, what what would I have experienced if I didn't known that I was adopted? And now I get to sort of see that. um, And and what would I have experienced if my my magic was different? Like Mm -hmm. so and really just being vulnerable with that different part of yourself. It could be narcissism. Also, you know, the variants do live their own lives, Mm -hmm. though they Mm -hmm. are the same. They are very they're different Lokis. And I I think that even the fact that Sylvie even acknowledged that potentially um, uh, just that subtle hint of whether Loki was queer, like that knowingness. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I know for us, we're always wanting to find people who can empathize and and share our experiences and have that knowingness where we don't have to always feel like we have to overshare or, or to get someone to understand she sort of got it right away yeah. so I, I I think I think of it that way is that he's sort of loving a part of himself that he didn't know he had yeah and no. then yeah, yeah just them having that notion of you're stronger than you think um not only are you hmm. stronger but you can always have I guess, different parts to yourself, mm-hmm. but they could still be you. Um, and that is a-okay. Um, a lot of people think that they have to only be one type of person. And a mm. lot of, you know, kids think that too. Like if they say, I want to be so-and-so when I grow up, they have to see that through. And, you know, every adult could tell you that there is no linear way to get where you're supposed to be in life. And as adults, we're still figuring it out. So if we're talking about um, discovering different parts of yourself and knowing different parts of yourself, um, but being true to yourself as well, how many different, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it was, you know, like there, there is a sacred timeline that you could try to keep going back to, but Mm -hmm. in reality, Mm -hmm. that's just not going to happen. And it's okay to navigate that and you know explore different parts of yourself no matter what age you are and then it like it also makes me think of um you know particularly uh my experiences as being a, a mixed person being both caucasian and filipina mm-hmm. and having to sort of navigate and learn what does that mean to me versus somebody who who is essentially one or the other like i i I've had to really rectify certain parts of myself in regards mm-hmm. to that um, because technically one part of myself, uh, you know, hated another part of myself and like mm-hmm. actively harmed another part of myself. So it's mm-hmm. like, how do I, how do I sort of integrate those two pieces and, and have them come to love each other and, and then uh, kiss and then kill someone? <laughs> right. right. Yeah. And yeah. who's to say that version of that is the final version? No one is to say that and no one mm. no one should be able to dictate that. And that's what I think really Loki was trying to fight for. Like, who yeah. is that person behind the curtain? Who is that Wizard of Oz character to say this is how it needs to be? And who gives you that right? Sure. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm curious, would either of you want to meet a variant of yourself? Oh, boy. <laughs> oh boy, I love that. Gator? <laughs> yeah, I want to meet my my <laughs> either my at my spirit animal, I guess, cuz that's the <laughs> least threatening maybe. I think if I met another mm-hmm. version of myself, 
man, that's scary. I don't know if I'd like that. I don't know if I'd be happy. And like, I don't know if I would regret more of my journey and yeah. the decisions I've made if I met my variant, whoever mm-hmm. they may be. Oh, that's good. That's good. I would I would agree, though. I think meeting my, the animal part of myself almost feels safer somehow, <laughs> even though it, right? like Loki's was a gator, right? So cute. By the way, the Funko Pop is fantastic. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, it's I love so it. cute. It's so cute. <laughs> um, right. Uh, but no, I think it, it it's intriguing to think of like what what would the parts of me look like if I hadn't experienced this or if I hadn't gone through that right Mm -hmm. would I somehow be better or more stable or whatever but that's missing part of the journey right yeah I don't know I feel like I would want to meet the uh, variant of myself who's a a pastry chef (laughs) (laughs) what if they don't exist that's the scary part they they must it's a multiverse Um, yeah in the infinite Mm -hmm. universe Um, yeah either the part the 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 variant of me who is a pastry chef or um the variant of me who who stayed living in korea and learned to speak korean yeah um Another what if, what if yes. Ariel yes. edition. Yes. <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> yeah, David's mentioned this is going to make a fantastic what if episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I'm just looking at our notes. I mean, we, we talked about trust being a common theme. Um, mm-hmm. I'm wondering where, where acceptance comes in and belonging. I wonder if we're there yet. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, the end credits uh, could say otherwise. So right. I don't know. <sighs> yeah, I'm it, so excited for there being another season. Me too. Yes, yes. And I think you know when when you're talking about acceptance, there's a part of that that's closure, right? I never mm-hmm. felt that there was any closure to much of anything because I was always on my toes. I didn't know who to trust. I didn't know who was lying, who was telling the truth. I didn't even know what I was going to see in the next episode. <laughs> so, right. you know, could could I even take a beat to accept what the reality of the TVA, what the reality of any of the characters were. I, I feel like I was so on my toes the entire time that mm-hmm. I couldn't really accept anything until the last episode. And then it blew everything out of the water. Right? I still have things that I second guess, like Sylvie being Enchantress or Renslayer. Yeah. I still yeah. think she knows more. Yeah, right? yeah. She went somewhere. She made a decision to yep. go to a specific timeline. How would she know where to go? And she was yeah. gathering specific files, too. Yeah. So, like, mm-hmm. there's something was going on there. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of acceptance, though, I was thinking a little bit about the friendship that developed between Mobius and Loki. Yeah. Um, for me, almost, that was more... That was almost more valuable in seeing Loki build that relationship than the one he built with Sylvie because there was true acceptance and friendship there at the end when Loki mm-hmm. chose to hug him rather than handshake, right? And yes. and and gave him the key to get out, right? And in 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 his selflessness, right? And so And that even was sought him out, right? Mm-hmm. Well, after yeah. After shit went down, right, right. <laughs> after Olympus had fallen, right. he right. he went and and sought him out specifically to to say like here are all the things I've uncovered. We need to like sure. work together. Yeah. That was his immediate sort of go to, and, yeah. and and I can't think of anybody. I mean, aside from Loki's mother, that that yeah. he trusts that mm-hmm. and believes yeah. in. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the hard part with Loki's mom is while most like primarily she accepted and loved him, that moment that happened right before things went downhill for Loki, where she made sure Thor was okay and yeah. not Loki, mm-hmm. right? Um, that was a bit of a messy situation for Loki that kind of triggered a whole series of events, right? Yeah. That Levels led- of emotional abandonment. Yeah. 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 And ultimately, honestly, led to her death. And so he feels like he carries some kind of blame there. Yeah. Right. Um, and so there's even a question of did she really accept him? Um, you know, although I know when Thor and Loki meet with their father right before he passes on, I guess, to the yeah. next to the next <laughs> yes. universe, um, then he gives them 
a sense of acceptance in that moment that he, mm-hmm. that both as a father he accepts them and he says something to Loki about his mother would have been so proud of him and the sorcerer he's become mm-hmm. right and so he gave him this sense of acceptance in that moment that I feel was a key turning point mm-hmm. for Loki in this grander timeline where he's begun to transition um, even if it ended up I think you know kind of rewinding a little bit for the mm-hmm. series mm-hmm. I don't think he <laughs> lost all of that I think he found it again yeah. Yeah, I think he found it again with with you right with Mobius. Sure. Um and and Mobius being somewhat of a father figure, um mm-hmm. definitely with the dad jokes. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but also really more of like an uncle who yeah, he could uncle. he could see himself reflected. Mm-hmm. Um in yeah. the sense that, you know, he's had a past but he couldn't quite access it. And now that he's you know, revealed all these things to Loki that he's valuable in his own timeline, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like with Loki, even with his parents, he never really saw them as someone that he needed in order to get what he, you know, what he wanted, right? It was just, Mm -hmm. you know, those are my parents. But Mobius is not not really an equal, but Mm -hmm. somebody who, I mean, how could you even, like, put that together he's from a different timeline he doesn't know where he is however there's this person who knows so much about his own life and his Mm -hmm. own timeline Mm -hmm. to say hey maybe you can go toe-to-toe with me on what you know my my purpose is and what my timeline is like I could get information from you but also Mm -hmm. you know you kind of scare me because you know a little bit too much Mm -hmm. that that sort of like ultimate witness and then even in talking about you know, adoption, there's so when you uncover those records, when you find the person who holds mm-hmm. them, it, yeah. they they become this this sort of like, I don't know, like saving grace, like mm-hmm. like yeah. you hold you held yeah. these keys. Right. right. Um, and in this case, Mobius gave them freely. Uh, he yeah. definitely chose some of like the very, again, traumatic moments. Oh, yeah. um, but it, it was even yeah. allowing him to go to the records room to yeah. just like read and, and learn more about his history like those are those are such gifts that i think i think really fostered their friendship again in, in talking about yeah. like levels of trust he could truly understand these intimate parts of loki mm-hmm. and yeah. accept them yeah he saw past those defenses quite yeah. often right and at first that made loki really uncomfortable but in the end he told him he saw goodness in him and that he mm-hmm. could be good Right. And so I think that there was such a lovely repair in that for Loki. Right. Yeah. yeah I and feel having- like Mobius was like the therapist teacher. That right. He right. Therapist and teacher. Right. And I also liked how Mobius wasn't that I knew your father back when we were young character. Yeah. It wasn't, you know, one of those. It was mm-hmm. it was so well crafted to where he was sure. definitely someone completely detached from his personal situation. Yeah. But, you know, could could give insight without giving advice um because you know he he was he was doing his job obviously as you know part of the TVA but you know he was also giving his personal touch in it as the series was going yeah. he was helping him out because by helping Loki he was also discovering what his purpose in life was mm-hmm. and that that discovery parallel to each other was was very interesting and yeah like i said refreshing and not just you know yeah. i was that person back in the day and Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, that's such an old, tired trope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that could have been easily uh, retired um, uh, and then reused and retired again. I, I think the way that they, they chose to create Mobius and Loki's relationship, sort of like a buddy cop. Yeah. Um, that, mm-hmm. was, that was fun. I, I, I mm-hmm. like that. Um, mm-hmm. I'm curious, any thoughts regarding sort of this, uh, I don't know, t- torture room where he repeated the most traumatic <laughs> event which was essentially being told that he'd be alone forever oh that was could, tough <laughs> so randomly i was just thinking about the fact that you know we could kind of look at mobius as this like developing therapist if we were looking at young therapists that are learning new skills right because mobius made some mistakes along the way but ultimately sure. in the end built healthy repairing relationship with with loki right and so for a second it just entered my mind that it kind of reminded me some of like some behaviorism that can be used sometimes especially okay. with neurodivergent yeah. cultures right where especially like the safe rooms unfortunately that are still used sometimes in schools mm-hmm. um to hold kids who are throwing fits or mm-hmm. tantrums you know and so um and how traumatic 
that room is for kids versus, you know, watching Loki experience that over and over again. Mm -hmm. And that while it was Loki's behaviors that he was experiencing over and over again, that that still was a traumatic environment for him to be held in. Yeah, it really makes me think of doing standards. Um, And we don't do that at my school, we take a more constructivist approach to um, conflict resolution. And also, you know, for kids who are just going through certain things. And, you know, from a social emotional standpoint, that is the last thing that we would do to somebody. um, Because it, it always has the opposite effect. Mm-hmm. It always ends up being worse than when you put them in there. Mm-hmm. And not only that, you're going to have to do so much more repairing within themselves and, you know, their their group of friends who essentially, um, who they trusted. They feel like they can't trust anyone. They can't trust their friends. They can't trust their teachers. They can't trust, you know, the, the construct of adults that are in the school because they just think, you know, whatever I do, I'm just going to be put in this room and nothing's mm-hmm. going to come out of it. I mean, what then they become, you know, just stone hearted to everything. And, you know, by by seeing Loki go through that and even when he tried to break through that fourth wall, per se, and, you know, try to get Sif to see his you know point of view, it didn't work at all no. whatsoever. And mm-hmm. when he said, please don't ever put me back in that room, I felt that. And, you know, yeah. it, it made me think of so many kids who have gone through through that in other schools and think that because we call them to the office, they think it's the end. Uh, And, you know, it's not the end. It's not the way that we, you know, my school decide to do things. And, you know, we we have to break through that in order to really gain their trust. And you see them, you know, kids that are only five years old going through these things. And Mm -hmm. it's it's heartbreaking sometimes. But, you know, it, it really calls back to the old ways of discipline and the old ways of maintaining order, which could be Mm -hmm. a recurring theme in the TVA Mm -hmm. seeing that it was, you know, it looked like it was from the 50s, 60s and 70s Mm -hmm. is very Mm -hmm. old school, um, rigid, just do what you're told, don't ask questions Mm -hmm. and keep your head down and do your job. Yeah, definitely the way that the TVA was created is almost like a zeitgeist of bureaucracy. Like the whole atmosphere, very Umbrella Academy, you know, Mm -hmm. nods to Mm -hmm. not a Disney franchise, but it's so much so like utilitarian, authoritative, like authoritarian, like very um, uh, law and order. There was no room for chaos, which if you're the... the (laughs) The god of mischief and chaos. There's no room for you, mm-hmm. but there was a, there was no room for unusualness, uniqueness. There was no right. room for difference, mm-hmm. um, which was interesting given that they had a very diverse cast. But yeah. it was like the mood, the tone, the mm-hmm. colors—they were all the mm-hmm. same. So dull, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. dull, just so mm-hmm. just the, that drudgery. And I think that 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 imagery is solidifies like the tone and atmosphere of like. Uh, wow, this is not a forward-thinking place, mm-hmm. right? And, yeah. like, really trying to keep that that sacred timeline and essentially saying, like, you you know, you, you think you have free will, but you're going to listen to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that is a, a presentation that we have seen with children, and especially neurodivergent children, where it's like mm-hmm. you you aren't representing what we consider neurotypical in the world, and so you, mm-hmm. need, to, you need to buck up. You need to change. Yeah. Mm-hmm is so harmful and doesn't create like that that growth that freedom of choice and even with those rooms you don't experience like Mm co-regulation you don't even understand how to regulate because you've just been isolated in your pain Mm -hmm. right 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 yeah i have to say though stephanie i love hearing schools that are becoming trauma-informed right it's so important it's so important because there is no amount of punishment or consequences that heals trauma yeah, right? absolutely. And we have such a great team of people who are so dedicated to special education and just developing social emotional learning through those kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I see I have seen, you know, kids who have had it so rough um, in the early grades, like in kindergarten, first, second grade. Mm-hmm. And then when they reach fifth grade, if they, you know, take a beat and take a chance to work through those traumas and work mm-hmm. through those differences and, you know, use 
the community and, you know, of adults and kids around them, they become such wonderful human beings, so bright Mm -hmm. and so imaginative. And it's so great to see all of the other kids around them embracing that. I think Mm -hmm. that's, that's the most, I mean, that's the most rewarding for me at at my school, definitely. Sure, sure. I'm curious uh, what everyone's thoughts are in regards to like lies, Um, because we have hinted Mm -hmm. at the, at at it being presented potentially as manipulation or potentially as a survival tactic and mm-hmm. and certainly trust were big themes and lies um they they can they can build or hurt trust so i'm i'm curious what sticks out for you when you think of either um loki in this series or or even any of the other variants I okay, so I stumped everyone. Because <laughs> something that sticks out for me was the you betrayed me, but I betrayed you. But well, then we're gonna betray each other. That right. that seemed so ingrained yeah. in the the male identified Lokis. I'm gonna I'm yeah. gonna say that they're that they're male. Um, and uh, it certainly seemed interesting because with Sylvie, she she. She believed that everybody would betray her, mm-hmm. um, and she was honest about that. I, I already, I don't trust you. I'm not gonna trust you. Versus it, these, these sort of Lokis were like, "Hey, yeah, you can trust me. Hey, yeah, I can trust you." Um, and even that was already a lie. Yeah, especially with um. Boastful, boastful Loki, mm-hmm. yeah, yep. boastful Loki. He was classic that kid for me. <laughs> he was, he's just like you know. He thinks he has a master plan, but when you are that person with the master plan, and everybody else thinks they have the master plan, it just implodes like crazy. And so you know, I mean, when you see kids, especially with their little white lies, just to get by. I mean, they start to build upon each other. Um, I yeah. I can't think of an incident right now, and if I do, I'll let you know. But I've seen so many different ways. Or you know what? Actually, this just happened. You know, a day ago, where you know, at school, well, at summer camp right now, clearly we're not allowed to share food because of COVID, and mm-hmm. normally we're not allowed to share food at all because of allergies and everything like that. So, I asked, you know, one of my kiddos, "Hey, were you talking about sharing food?" And he's like, "No, I, I wasn't." Um, but you know, I was saying maybe if I traded his Nutter Butters for my Cheetos, then, you know, I, I would really like that. And I, I asked him, well, so you were planning to trade food? And he took a minute and he's like, mm, yeah. And then the other kid was like, well, so was I. <laughs> I wanted to trade him too. And I guys, you know, we're not supposed to trade food right now. We don't want anybody getting sick because if you get sick, you can't be here. And if you're not here, we don't have a summer camp. And they go, yeah, okay, all right. But, you know, we sometimes, as educators, we 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 try to pin the blame so fast on one kid. And we forget that, you know, it might not just be their it, intuition. It might be everybody's MO yes, to lie. everybody and, you know, wanted to share. Everybody wanted to share because they wanted something that wasn't theirs. So really you see that pile up in the various Lokis because they're at different levels of lying to themselves Mm -hmm. in order to survive. And And I think literally lying to themselves, literally (laughs) lying to themselves and everybody else to survive, not just in, you know, that the end of time, the void, Mm -hmm. but we see Loki lying throughout his entire existence as we've seen in the MCU. Well, I could talk about trauma all day, and I do think that for attachment trauma, lying is a common difficulty that we see for children who struggle with the fear, the underlying fear in relationships of abandonment or rejection, right? Mm -hmm. And so the fear that I'll get in trouble is often um, underlying quite a bit of lies. I think think quite often is a survival skill. It's either an avoidance survival skill, um, you know, I want to avoid being rejected, I want to avoid being abandoned, Mm -hmm. or it can get to 
the point of being a controlling factor, which is still a survival skill, right? Because yeah. if I, I can control my environment, then I know what will happen. Mm-hmm. I can protect myself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a wonderful chapter that really formed how I viewed lying in, the, in trauma work, at least with kids, um, out of a book called Beyond Consequences by Heather Forbes, who specializes in attachment trauma. Um, it's a wonderful chapter, and I mm-hmm. often share that with with parents of, of foster and adoptive youth and um, just understanding where the fear is coming from, even though quite often um, kiddos who come from attachment trauma often look like a Loki where they're going to cover up that they're afraid, mm-hmm. right? They, they mask well, right? Yeah. And you can't hurt me, right? Oh, yeah. Um, but really, it's because I'm afraid I'm going to be hurt, Right. Um, And so when we can understand that, then we don't get so caught up in the lying itself and we recognize and address the the underlying fears that can happen. Yeah. Yeah. I think that um, that's that's a really good sort of um, resource and ending point because we're talking about that mask. And it's like, when, yeah. when, when do we see the true Loki? When do we see the true Loki? And like, mm-hmm. is the true Loki this actually variant, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that um, if we're talking about at least this series and this presentation, what we see is that um, learning to, to be able to be vulnerable, to be able to trust um, was always actually there. It wasn't that it wasn't, he wasn't being true or genuine. Um, it was that he was protecting himself with his mask, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that when we saw him sort of in his TVA guard, right? You can yeah. see that as mm-hmm. like him um, sort of stripping away some of his, his specialness to, to try and assimilate. Um, and it, it turns out his specialness wasn't in his costumes. Um, it, it, it was very much in his ability to um, craft a world around him, which then allowed him to do that for others, right? In talking Ooh. to Mobius about the jet ski, he immediately yeah. saw that this was, why is this important to you? That's odd, right? <laughs> so I think that that um, when we're talking about youth and trauma, sometimes they do have this knowingness. They, they, do, mm-hmm. they can zero in pretty well mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. on so many things. I think that we, we forget to empower that um, because that's, that's what's kept them, kept them surviving, right? right. Loki survive. Right. Yeah. So is it now the god of making connections or the Ooh. god of mischief? <laughs> <Right>? Mischievously <laughs> connecting. Always going to be mischievous, right? I think that's one of his strengths, too. And that doesn't always have to be a bad strength. Yeah. Yeah. You I know? think that going into that trickster, like, again, I think as someone who might be a little bit more trivial mm-hmm. and have some, yeah. some fun, fun pranks, not mean, no mean pranks. And you gotta have somebody like in the know to to defeat a villain. You gotta have a little bit of a villain in yourself, right? Because how are you gonna outsmart them without knowing the next step? Sure, sure. Villain or even, you know, I'll always see him as an anti-hero, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And just that the humanity in that, I think sometimes is what draws me sometimes more than being drawn to the Thors who are the heroes and always powerful, always perfect, Mm -hmm. you know, because it just doesn't feel very real sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that all of his, his traumas and his fallings, he's learned to get up. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, It took, it it took a while for, for Thor to get up because he, Mm -hmm. that was not something he was used to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So and he's true. down again where we last saw him. So yeah. he's he's in that rebuilding phase as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think we just got really lucky that Loki could also look as good as a hero doing what he does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Overall, did you guys like this series? I mean, I know this is not a review podcast, but I think we can give our our rating (laughs) it doesn't have to be out of a scale of 10 but what did you guys think I loved it I think if I were doing a scale of 10 I would do like a 9 out of 10 just because I had issues with the whole Sylvie Loki romance thing Uh but yeah but I love I love that I've taken something away from that though with Mm -hmm. the parts work because I think that's wonderful to be used Mm -hmm. in this area yeah Yeah, I think I would I'd give it an 8 um I don't think anything can beat WandaVision for me. Um, <laughs> I think the this the sitcoming through this the, the years. Yes, yes. yes. Uh, Rachel's wearing her vision shirt. Yes. yes. 
Um, I, I, I just loved that so much. And I loved the, the quote regarding grief, um, because I, I work Mm. with a lot of uh, grief. Um, that's, you get grief when you have experienced Mm -hmm. trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I would give it an eight. I think what would have pushed it for a nine, um, I I would have needed more alligator Loki. I think <laughs> I needed one more episode of the variants, like doing uh-huh. variant type things, and to see if there was a. I mean, he asked, like, "Have any of you ever met a female Loki?" And they said, "No." Yeah. Um, but like, why? Like, I so know. I'm, I I want to find out more of that. So maybe that maybe season two, right? I think there might be a mm-hmm. season two. I there think that will be, be my two. number nine. Did mm. you see though that they brought the grief line back in? On this last episode. Yep. Yes, mm-hmm. that intro scene yeah. where we're going through the timeline. I was like, yes. right? <laughs> I thought there was... was something else going on behind me. I didn't know that that I was know. my TV. <laughs> yeah. but Someone watching it? Yeah, I was like, it's, yeah. <laughs> I was like, T'Challa, is that you? Right. Um, <laughs> For I you? think I fall in the middle. I mm-hmm. think I would give it an 8.5 simply because I was a blown away by the unknowingness of the series Uh i already okay so wandavision was like such a close second in in the realm of falcon winter soldier wandavision Mm -hmm. and loki and i know we've yet to talk about falcon and winter soldier and wandavision and we have so many uh, things to talk about on the geek therapy network they did talk about wandavision um on the uh, geek therapy podcast so do check that one out yes check that one out um they have such wonderful things to say and dissect about that but i know for us on this podcast we haven't but WandaVision visually was so stunning and I I loved the the stylistics of every episode. It was just so fantastic. Yeah. However, with Loki, I did not know what to expect. Not only because we were dealing with Loki who was an unconventional character mm-hmm. when it comes to zeroing in on their story, the whole notion of there is a time variant authority overseeing all of these stories that I have been watching and investing my time money sweat blood tears into (laughs) it was it was such a breaking of that wall that I loved and and every episode was just different and you had to pay attention not only to the details and the easter eggs which is always a cool marvel thing to do a disney thing really I feel like that's very disney of them to do um Mm -hmm. but paying attention to what they're saying and their the crafting of the fleshing out of their characters was so skillfully done in this series more than the other ones I think it was very different their approaches in mm-hmm. to who is playing what role and what side is good or evil or is there mm-hmm. even a good and evil in this mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. who is the bad guy we still don't really know all yeah. we know is that they're he who remains who is king the conqueror now in <laughs> the unraveling of this new timeline that Loki <laughs> finds himself in and I love the mystery of it. It was so mysterious. Mm-hmm. And it it played kind of like a crime drama to me because of yes. the the shrouded in mystery of everything that was going on. Well, so. and and even that intro with like Loki and all yeah. those di- like different fonts. I mm-hmm. I was like mm-hmm. what what is am I watching unsolved mysteries? Like yeah. is there about to be mm-hmm. some some murder capering? Like yeah. are we going to clue this up? Yeah. yeah, it was true yeah. crime in the multiverse yeah. And, yeah. because there are all these. I mean, they've both killed so many people <laughs> and so there has been so much people. death and destruction to yeah. not only communities, cities, whole planets, mm-hmm. entire galaxies. Now, yeah. um, people are, you know, we're snapped into non-existence. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. how do we how do we tackle that knowing that mm. there are multiple versions of this it really takes yeah. somebody with a little bit of patience but yeah. also um having uh, having whoever produced this and i think this last episode was produced by tom hiddleston himself um, yeah. that i saw at the end so that was really exciting to see that he was so invested he is so mm-hmm. invested in his character mm-hmm. that um it, it's just come to this and i'm really really excited with the new movies and mm-hmm. Loki season two, how everything's going to go. Cause I'm still mm-hmm. shrouded in mystery myself. <laughs> yes. 
Well, I'll just say real quick, too, about Disney Plus, you know, from WandaVision to Falcon and the Winter Soldier to now Loki, I'm loving whoever they're consulting with for mental health because mental health and social justice have just been wonderful themes that we've seen in times when we kind of needed them even, I think, as communities, Mm -hmm. you know, and so it's it's I, I hope there's more to come. Yep. Yeah, I think they're they're doing a great job. Some of it is still like drips, right? Like, yeah, right. like, yeah. like yeah. two very subtle right. uh, quotes in regards yes. to Loki being uh, gender fluid. Um, yes. And uh, not so much um, in Norse mythology, apparently mm-hmm. he was impregnated as a horse. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, he, he didn't just pick humans um, mm-hmm. or, or other gods. Yep, uh, yep, yep. So I I really appreciate that their their willingness to to not only weave in more of what we need in regards to mental health and the world around us right it sure. doesn't feel as as tailored to like a specific palette mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. totally. I do want to know what happened to my man Eugene Cordero in the beginning <laughs> homeboy just crazy. disappeared I was like, where is he I, <laughs> I want to see him again mm-hmm. <laughs> is he still hoarding Infinity Stones in his drawer I want to <laughs> <Yes>. know. <laughs> The ultimate right. power. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm. Paperweight. Yep. Mm. yep. Yeah. But yeah, I think I think it's really exciting to see what's to come. Mm-hmm. I know what is next on the docket for Marvel and Disney. Do you guys? I, I don't have the timeline in front well, of me I, right now. Well, I and know we just got Black Widow. Yep, we just got Black Widow. Right. I think what is the um, we have the Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, the Quantum. And- yeah, yeah, the quantum quantum mania, yeah. um, and then uh, the uh, multiverse, multiverse of madness, madness with Doctor Strange, and then so Shang Chi later on yeah. this year. Shang Chi, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I, it's not in that order. Too. Yeah, Spider Man's yeah. out there somewhere. The multiverse, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so not not in that order that we just described, but those are the things <laughs> that we remembered without using Google at this point. Yep. <laughs> Pure memory, guys. All up yeah. here. Yeah, that's how much <laughs> fans we are. We, we named the titles. <laughs> but yeah. Um, but let us know um, in our Twitter at HappiestPodGT what your thoughts are on Loki. If you loved it, hated it, let us know. We are open to hearing your thoughts and comments on that. Um, also, catch us on Instagram at HappiestPodGT. Ariel, is there anything else that you would like to add before we close out? Yeah, Rachel, where can we find you? Yes. Oh, yeah. So my website is um, www.thehopechest.co. So not com, but .co. Um, And you can find all my links there. Okay, thehopechest.co. Thank you so much for uh, coming and being our first first guest. Yay! Thank you. You have set the bar real high, girl. Yes, (laughs) real high. Everybody else better listen to this and try and do better. (laughs) You guys are awesome, and I'm so excited this is coming back around because it's definitely something that's needed. So awesome. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye. We'll see you next time.